Welcome to God, Yay or Nay. I'm your host, Noor Kidwai. I'm here to find out how we grow, transform, and become our best selves. How we create meaning in our lives. Come join me on my journey. Welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. This is your host, Noor Kidwai. Thanks for tuning in. My guest this week is Emma Stroud. Emma is author of the book, Lessons from a Clown. As you can see, she is a clown and a comedian. Uh, she tells us about the history and the art form of clowning in Europe. Uh, she's joining us from London. Uh, and she also gives us a lot of lessons on life, basically trying to bring playfulness, joy, uh, creativity, and all of that kind of fun stuff into our lives and how it can actually enrich us. And that's what she's trying to help people with her book and kind of her whole platform. So it turned out to be a really awesome conversation. I hope you enjoy. We're part of the Comedy Here Often podcast network on 604 Records. So check those guys out, everybody. Uh, check me out on Instagram at NoorKidY and like and subscribe to the podcast. Give it a good rating. That always helps. But let's get into this week's episode, everyone. My guest this week, Emma Stroud. Hey, welcome to another episode of God, Yay or Nay. I'm here with Emma Stroud. Emma, thanks for joining me. Oh, it's so nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be on your pod. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Now, you have such a unique story and uh, we kind of come from similar worlds as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you about this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You, uh, you're, you got your new book out coming out now. It's called Lessons from a Clown. It's out already. And um, yeah, you have a, such a cool, unique story. Uh, maybe give us a little intro into your story and uh, how you, uh, why you came into write, writing this book. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I guess I've always been somewhere between sort of business and performing. And so I, I started off doing a theatre degree and then I went to drama school, but I'd also was an entrepreneur. So I ran businesses and, you know, over the last couple of years, um, I got back into that whole idea of like, mm, maybe I could write a book. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> and about two, three years before that, I had just got back into clowning. So I did some clowning while I was at university. And clowns are generally misunderstood. I think it's really important that I say this. You know, clowns are, think the Shakespearean fool or the court jester. And that's mm -hmm. kind of more the idea of clowns. So we're the people that you know, observe life. And, you know, and because we use comedy, we get away with saying things that other people perhaps don't. Um, and it was a real journey going back into clowning after not having done it since I was at uni. And then it was like, okay, how could I put all of these different things together into a book? And working on it, um, it just sort of became really clear that actually I could co-write it with my, with my clown, Orange, and, uh, and also do some stand-up voice in it, which I know you do. So there's a bit of stand-up, there's a bit of coaching because I've been coaching CEOs and business leaders for about 20 odd years. And lo and behold, like two, three weeks ago, my book came out, Lessons from a Clown. So in a nutshell, in about a minute and a half, there is 25 years of quite a strange and eclectic life. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, so I'm actually interested in this clowning because uh, you were saying like it's more of uh, the Shakespearean or court jester kind of uh, thing. So like when you go to college to learn how to become a clown or learn the art form of clowning, mm. um, can you give us a little like idea of like what they're teaching you? Yeah, in essence, it's 
it's sort of discovering like we all have different parts of ourselves right so when you're up on stage that's you up on stage when you're doing the podcast this is you as podcast or when you're being a friend or a son or a brother or a father or a husband or whatever else you do in your life you're playing different parts of you so it's still you but you show different parts of yourself depending on where you're at and then if you just take that one step further in essence clowns are they're a part of us that perhaps we don't always play with right there's a part of us where you get to explore different sides of oneself so at the moment I've got three clowns that are within me as M Stroud so I've got Orange who's co-written my book Uh, and Orange is definitely the part of me that is that sees the most wonder that sees the most joy you know so I kind of lose my skepticism when I'm in that place and then as a result when you're at working out what does that feel like you get to explore stuff from a different perspective so it's just in essence what you learn when you learn how to clown is how do you find those different perhaps untapped parts of you and stuff that will come out of you will quite often be you know like the the truth of what it is that you see so it's not really complex that's why a whole clown scene if you're doing a clown scene could be literally a clown trying to walk through a door Mm-hmm. because it's you know something as simple that we do all the time for a clown can be quite overwhelming because that's like wow there's so many different nuances so the clown training really made me go okay I need to see more I need to slow down I need to observe and allow that part of me to come and play I could talk about that for hours that is uh that's really cool and I like that it, it seems like you're almost uh challenge channeling another like character uh, inside you like something yeah yeah maybe not character is the right word maybe it's like an essence or what do you think it's literally that an essence it's you know for me orange is the the lightest and the most joyful part of me is M Stroud you know I'm an adult I've got responsibilities I've got you know a child to look after I have a business to run all of that kind of stuff but when I'm orange there's a freedom and as orange so when I was doing a show with orange I'll always remember there was this woman that came into the audience and she sat down now and I'm a Brit right and us Brits we're not always the best at saying what we see or giving compliments very easily and but as orange no problem whatsoever and orange noticed that this woman had this necklace that matched her eyes and orange just literally was like your necklace and your eyes genuinely make you sparkle and this woman just beamed because it was so truthful and pure and Mm. almost childlike not being a child childlike and then afterwards at the end of the show and I went out to the bar as you and had a drink and stuff and she just went I just want to say thank you because no one's ever said anything like that or seen me in that way and I was like that is why I love this as a craft that is beautiful I really like that and so now with uh, orange you're saying she's uh like very wonder, uh, joyful, uh, excited. Like these are the kind of like, um, like the essence that you try to bring up. So like, how do you go through the process of finding that character and finding those characteristics? And also, are you going into it first with the characteristics in your mind or do they just kind of pop up? No, they, they definitely emerge. And I think part of that, it's like when you're in any rehearsal space, right? It's, or any creative process, you have to allow space and you have to allow space for things to emerge rather than trying to push, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you really try and push, it'd be like, if you had a, like, let's take this, let's take what we're doing right now. If you had a really, really fixed agenda on what we were going to do, this conversation wouldn't be happening in the way that it is. 
because you're just you're open to right okay where I'm going to go with M how's this going to manifest you know all of these things and you're kind of consciously thinking but you're also present with me mm-hmm. that in my head is exactly the same about finding that part of me that happens to be a clown so we had to kind of spend time yes doing exercises and exploring and there's of course there's there's the craft of clowning so if you're using your clown for comedy there's things about learning like slapstick there's learning about how do you walk into a space but underneath all good comedy is massive tragedy so you have to be brave and you have to have the courage to go this is me completely unexposed and what do you see And how do I feel? And when you do that, suddenly these different parts of yourself can be shown and can come up and then you play with it. And sometimes you try stuff and it goes really badly wrong, you know, and then other times you try something, you're like, oh, that's it. Oh, okay. And with orange, a lot about orange in particular was what, you know, what orange wears. So if you saw orange to start off with, you'd be like, oh, orange looks fine. But actually orange is wearing a coat that's just a bit too big for orange and orange is wearing a hat that me as M would never wear. And so, you know, but it kind of works, but it just doesn't. So an initial thing, it's not a, you know, it's not a sort of caricature in orange's mind. Orange looks amazing. Me as M Stroud would never wear it. It's a bright orange <laughs> coat. I'd look ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's really cool. I, I like this idea. Um, so what draw do you to coming into clowning then like what what about it like really draw you in I think there was something so I've been an improviser for 20 odd years and there was something about clowning I did clowning when I was at uni so I went over to Italy and studied Commedia dell'arte which is where lots of pantomime kind of characters come from and I loved it but I also found it when I was sort of 18, 19, I, I found it a little bit too exposing because that whole idea about this is me at 19, I was like, I didn't know who I was. So I was like, oh, don't think I like this. I kind mm-hmm. of moved away from it. And then in my sort of late 30s, I then was like, actually, and I, and you know, when you really want to do something and you, and there was a teacher that um, I'd been looking at her work from afar for a long time. So Angela De Castro, she's one of the top clowns in the world. And I just kept looking at it and looking at it. And I was like, go on, Em, go on, Em. And then eventually, a few years ago, I went, right, okay, I'm going to apply for this course. And as soon as I did, and then I went there, it clowning sort of made all of the different pieces that I had kind of come together. So mm. it just really helped me go, okay, I can own this because I, I want the world to play more. I want the world to laugh more and think more. That's kind of my mission in life. And clowning really allows me that space to play. So why would you not, right? Mm-hmm. And so like uh, with your book and um, even like how you you speak a lot uh, with different people, I've even saw your TED talk, which was awesome. Like when you say you. play, think and uh, learn, was it? Laugh. Laugh. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. Sorry. But like, uh, so if this is your mission statement kind of thing. And this is like what you want to bring out. Like, uh, how do you get people to kind of do that? What is like your process? Good question. Um. Yeah. So I. I truly believe that if if the world laughs more and thinks more and plays more, the world will be a better place. Mm. And those three things, I think, connects us as humans, right? Regardless of where we're from, what culture we're from, what religion we follow or don't follow. I And so how I do that at the moment is every piece of work that I do, whether that's my book, whether it's my film that I'm making, whether it's coaching, are sort of underscored by all of those things. And what I'm launching next year is we're going to actually create an app and a movement all to do with laugh, thinking, playing. 
So I'll be getting different practitioners that are brilliant at laughing. So comedians and other people that make people laugh. And, and also what does laughter really mean? And how do we how do we access it more so that there's more space of it at work and things like that? And the same with thinking, the same with playing. So uh, in essence, I've got great well-planned dominations of like an app, you know, that's going to be my <laughs> second book. Um, and then from a sort of cultural perspective, you know, I, I'm going to be setting up a business where people other practitioners will be going in and working with big corporates to actually go and sort of go right okay this is what we're going to do and how do we laugh more at work how do we think more at work and how do we play more at work and we'll give them a framework of how to do that framework makes it sound really dull it wouldn't be called a framework it'll just be a thing <laughs> <laughs> no I like this a lot and I, I, the one thing you said is about like trying to access that laughter like you know and access mm. that joy that's one thing I've, I'm learning a lot in life um especially as a performer as well. Like mm. you, you said before, childlike, like that's, I think is such a big thing for a performer. And like, I'm mm. trying to like uh, up my creativity right now. And I'm, I'm trying to learn a lot about this stuff. And it's, it's true. It's like coming back to that childlike way of mm. um, just being and like how you said play, yeah. it's like, sometimes you just got to listen to yourself and like, look at how you play in life like how do you like to play? And like, how do you like to be silly and like invite that into your life? And when you mm. start doing that, it's a different energy you're given off and like mm. people feel that. So I really do like how you said that access, like, and mm. uh, it seems like this is something you're trying to get people to access that more like that. Yeah, I love that word. And it's, you're right, because I think as adults and especially for people that aren't performers, you know, I think those of us that are lucky enough to perform, we are already sort of in that place where we're willing to play because every time we get up on stage, right, you're playing, like you're doing stand-up, it's play, even doing a podcast, it's kind of play, you know, there's that. But I think for a lot of adults that haven't done that training, I think play seems like something you do maybe on a Friday night when you go and have a couple of drinks or, and it's not part of life, mm -hmm. you know, as adults, we're told, well, no, you've got to be serious now, you're an adult, you've got children, you've got a house, you've got responsibility, come on, time to grow up. And I'm not suggesting that life sometimes isn't very serious and we have things to do that are important. But what I am suggesting is I wonder how life can be if we let ourselves play during those times. Just mm. access, as you say, I love that word access. It's that thing of like, how do we access that bit so that there can be a levity to how we're feeling rather than like, here's me at work. Here's me at work. Now I've gone home. Now I've got the kids. Oh, and now I get to play with some friends. It's like we don't have to do it that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it does like it, it makes your I think it does. It makes your life uh, like it brings a lot more joy. And like when you allow that yeah. in, like it grows like because yeah. it's like this is like a lifestyle almost. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that thing, isn't it? You know, there's the, the very famous book about the five regrets of the dying. Right. Mm. And one of them is always I wish I'd let myself be happier. Yeah, that's a sad one. And you're right. And it's like. It's kind of like, uh, I think it is like a process where you start realizing, like, allowing yourself to be happier yeah. is the big thing. Yeah. Like, if a lot of people just don't allow it, you have to invite that in yourself. Absolutely. No, uh, that's interesting. Um, so uh, you did mention improv as well. This is, uh, this is something I'm a huge fan of, like... Mm -hmm. And I, I actually started doing improv uh, before I did comedy as well. So I did it for a oh, few okay. years. Nothing like uh, nothing too serious, but uh, it, it, it is something that got me into the comedy game. But um, 
how do you, how do you say to people who've never tried improv or not even performers at all? Like I, I've heard you recommend this to people as well. Like why would you recommend uh, improv to people who never do uh, any kind of performance? Improv is a is the biggest and the best way that I've come across of helping adults who think that they're not creative or that they're not fun access that part of themselves. And so improv, what it does, the biggest thing is, especially for those people that are massive overthinkers, is that you can't overthink, you know, right? You can't overthink improv because as soon as you've done it, you'll then move on to the next piece. And improv really treats us or teaches us rather to enjoy being present and enjoy the process and not get fixed on the outcome. Mm. And as soon as you sort of go, oh, and I'm doing this and this could be bad, but it also could be good. And you'll, you realize you're not out of, you know, you're out of control of that. Suddenly the world opens up. I remember a friend of mine, um, she was so anti-improv. She was so anti it. She was like, I'm going to hate it. I, I'm not funny. I'm like, it's not about being funny. I don't like thinking on my feet. I like to plan, you know, I'm a prep person. She's an engineer by trade. She's like, I don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. And I was like, well, you will don't. And then eventually she kind of got to point. She's like, oh, maybe I'll give it a go. And I said, just go for two hours to a really good basic beginners improv class. And if you hate it, never go back. But you then know that you've tried it. And eventually she was like, okay, okay. And then she rang me up as she was walking out. She was like, it's the best thing I've ever done. Best thing. And I was like, why? And she said, because I didn't, it didn't matter. And I actually, it didn't matter because I was just in that moment. And she's like, I cannot remember the last time I felt like I was in the moment. And she said that only happened for like five seconds. But that she said, and she's now gone off and done loads of improv courses because she's like, it's brilliant. And that's helped her. She said um, it helped her with her confidence. It's helped her at work. And more importantly, it's actually helped her feel far more grounded in lots of different situations that used to make her really stressed. She has no desire to be a performer, but the skills of improv have helped her in her life. That's why I'm such a big fan of it. Yeah, it's uh, and it's such a cool thing. Like, uh, I know if you live in big cities, especially there's always yep. improv classes going on somewhere. And yep. it's it's becoming more popular where people are using it the exact same way you're talking about. And it's mm. so, so good for people. And mm. and just mentioning that, get into the present moment. It's the hardest thing to do in the modern life because we're all so busy and like the overthinking. That's such a thing in our, uh, mm. I think, with our culture now, especially with our phones and stuff, we're constantly have mm. so much shit running around our heads. So that yeah, is yeah, nice yeah. just to open up and just let it be. Eh? <laughs> um you I, I know you also have like a big interest in uh, mental health uh mm. how, how did you like to incorporate that into your like book and your work as well I think I think a lot of a lot of my work is uh autobiographical because it's the story that I have is my truth right mm. and and that's the only story that I can tell because that's been my lived experience and some of my experiences of my earlier years were perhaps not ideal and as a result I had some real mental health challenges you know if I go back sort of 10 years I was really suicidal and got to the point where I was standing on the edge of a train platform and I yeah 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 yeah. so I and I really remember that moment where I made the decision to take a step back and that moment as I sort of look back on it with the benefit of hindsight was you know, genuinely life-changing for me. 
And I know that for a lot of people, you might not get as severe as ended up being, you know, very seriously going to take your own life. But for a lot of people, especially, you know, post, you know, with where we're at with COVID and, you know, the restrictions that we've all had and everything else, as you said, you know, the busyness that we have, I see more and more people really struggling with mental health. And so for me, if I can share my story and I weaved in some of my story through my book, Lessons from a Clown, and in my film, that's all autobiographical. If I can share some of my stories and some of my learnings and what I've done, then I hope that other people can find their own truth. And then if they find their other truth, then they might go and talk to somebody or go and get some help or talk to a mate or whatever it might be that they need to do. Mm-hmm. And for me, I couldn't do the work I did without acknowledging that in order to laugh and think and play, you have to get, you know, there's a, there's a process in order to allow that, to access that. And if you're feeling really shit, it's really hard to laugh and play probably because you're overthinking. Mm-hmm. So I like to, you know, align myself with different people that have the expertise and the wisdom to then hopefully help people overcome whatever mental health challenges they have. And I think the more that people in the public eye talk about it, the easier it is for somebody that isn't in the public eye to talk about it and to go and do whatever they're doing. That's uh, yeah, that's really good. Um, do you think you're, do you think your performance and like improvisation, clowning and stuff like that, do you think all and all of that kind of helped with like um, overcoming your mental health challenges a little bit? Oh, hugely, hugely. Because what it does is, you know, it allows a space for me to explore those other parts of me, both the happy parts and then also the challenging parts in a place that was safe. And for me, you know, I've, I've been in sort of performance you know, since I was 16, this is my understanding of how I navigate the world. I'm not suggesting that everybody else should suddenly go and become a clown or perform. But again, because I am a performer and I am a creative, you know, no doubt this is why you do the podcast. It's, it's this thing of, you know, we need our creators to be honest and to be open and not trying to be some sort of glossy facade of what they think the world needs them to be. Mm-hmm. Cause that then only creates more and more problems. Right. And uh, I actually I, I love that um, you said you want your creatives to be honest and open and mm. this has always been kind of like a continuous process for me as a stand-up comedian is like becoming more honest and open and it feels like it feels like I like it's just a, a becoming you know it, it comes mm. like over and over again like I have to keep going down different paths to become more honest more open mm. like um, do you have like uh, kind of tips to like allow creatives or even anybody just like how they can become more honest and open and like just themselves their work anything yeah I think I think one of the big changes for me was um getting more used to hearing your voice in all senses of it and one of the best ways of doing that was um, there's a great book I quite often talk about um, called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. I'm reading it right now. She's He's doing it now. That's I'm it. On, there you go, kids. Listen I'm to on, this. Uh, I'm on week five right now. Oh, wow. Well done. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and don't you think with the with the morning pages, so the morning pages, for your listeners, in case you don't know, it's in essence, you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you sit and you write three pages. You don't write it so that you can read it back. You just write it. And when you get used to hearing your voice, and sometimes you wake up and you're like, I do not know why I'm writing this. This is the most boring thing I've ever written. I don't know why I'm writing this. This is annoying. Mm-hmm. And other times you'll be like, oh, I need to go and have a coffee. I'm really tired. 
And then occasionally there'll be stuff where something will pop out, right? And you'll be like, oh, but just getting used to hearing your voice. And you know it's better because you're doing, you're actually right in it. I've done it about three times. Just accessing that before we start listening to other people, going on Instagram, absorbing other people's stuff into our heads. That for me was completely life-changing. It that is so amazing. And um with the morning pages, that's so true. And like, like you said, every morning you wake up, you write three pages. And it's just get it out, whatever it is. Like you said, sometimes mm. it's just like trash or writing, which mm. is fine. But this is the whole process. It's just to get out that gunk every day. And mm. you're right, stuff pops out of you. And you want to get that out before any other voices you allow in your head. Um, so this week I was just on was the one where we have that media deprivation or oh, yeah, yeah, deprivation. yeah. So, um, yeah. So anybody who doesn't know the book, there's 12 weeks and every week you get different kind of things to help your creativity flow. And this one was like, no media, no reading, like don't let other voices in your head this week. And I failed like the first three days, like really badly. <laughs> I, I like made it like halfway through the day. And then like, about, there was like so much anger in me that was coming out. Yeah, yeah not very good. And then uh, by the end of the week, I finally had it down pat where I wasn't looking at um anything mm. but I you know what there was like a deep sadness a deep anger mm. that was uh that was coming out and I honestly with the morning pages and um and just writing during the day because that's the other thing when you're when you do these morning pages to write during the day is so much easier just because oh like, my word yeah you got so much easier yeah you got rid of that resistance first thing in the morning and now you can just go back to your so like I, I was just writing during the day and like I really came down to like I really got like a lot of stuff come out of me that I was mm. like these are pressures I'm putting on myself or ideas that I have that are really making like they're putting like a deep anger in me a deep sadness mm. in me and it um it's also helping as a block it's creating blocks mm. in me um like especially create creatively creatively and uh, energetically as well and uh, it was good and I, one thing I noticed and I know if I've seen you talk about this too on your TED talk um it's like a lot of those blocks were very um just like what I expect from society what I think I should have done mm. with my own life like what I expect of myself and just being really just too hard on myself and mm. you know and it's like a lot of those kind of regrets and shit like that are in me and uh I I yeah I decided I need to pay more attention to those and just kind of give myself a little bit of that self-love to be like you know you can't change shit and like you can also you can't have unrealistic expectations of yourself and you can't compare yourself to other people like these this like all of that like was causing this like anger and sadness mm. in me it's crazy I hear you. And, and I think it's, you know, and I, I think it's so humbling that because you allowed yourself that space to really go there and to follow that process that Judy Cameron created, it's amazing what we can start to notice about ourselves and what's lacking, you know, because as you say, you know, life's really busy. And there's that bit of, I think for all of us, you know, it's like, what is it that we're all seeking? What is it that we're all looking for, right? And, and for me, it's like, we could all be on like 10 different treadmills and 
as long as you get off the treadmill sometimes and you check that the treadmills are still the treadmills that you want to be on and they're at the right pace or just to your left, there could be an amazing field. You don't even need to be on a treadmill. Mm. But the only way that we do that is that we have to slow ourselves down and allow ourselves that because then like you were just saying, you know, then you can feel the anger, then you can feel the sadness because otherwise it's all just being pushed down with other stuff. And it's like, actually, let's just let it out. And then when you do that, then it's amazing what stuff can appear, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, that uh, process of uh, in the artist way is like uh, pretty impressive. Um, mm. And how many, you said you've done it three times? Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. Because <laughs> each time you do because each time you do it, you get a different experience because you're in a different headspace. So, mm. and you know, and like you say, there's, there's, you know, there's exercises each week. I, I never tried to do all of the exercises each week. I chose the one that I liked the most and the one that terrified me the most. So I've always done different ones, but because you're, you know, as a human, we evolve, right? You always get different stuff from it. Well, that's been my journey with it, you know? Yeah. And it's funny when it's like going after the stuff that terrifies you the most, eh? Mm. And I guess mm-hmm. when you went into clowning, that's probably a, a little bit uh, kind of something that you were doing because um, yeah. from what I remember you saying, like clowning was something that was terrifying for you to bring other parts of you out, right? Exactly. You know, and it's it's this thing. And I think for those of us that do comedy, um, you know, I, I dabble and do bits and bobs of stand up, but I mainly sort of make theater comedy. It's when you do that, you know, there's a reason why in drama there's the there's the comedy and the tragedy right because they go hand in hand and so many people that find comedy and end up doing it as a job there's a reason why we want to be the one that makes other people laugh because quite often there can be a mask and quite often that's where we get a sort of a sense of ourselves and that's not not for everybody I'm not suggesting but for me it's that thing of and I even use this line in my play it's you know funny as a shield how do people not see And for me, going into clowning was actually about unpicking that a little bit and then still allowing myself to be funny, but being funny being all of me, if that makes sense. Okay, funny is a shield. Can you say that again? Yeah, so funny is a shield because I think for me, because I can make people laugh, right? Or I'd like to think I can. Um, I think it's quite easy to go into that mode of like, well, if I'm funny, then you won't really see me and you won't ask me any deep questions about me. And it's like, I'm making um, you laugh. and yeah, so, and like, so it's like, it's like your mask, it's your kind yeah. of, yeah, you're right. Okay. And uh, yeah, so sometimes you need to even like, cause if you use that too much, it's almost becomes a crutch and, and you're, yeah, I get that exactly. completely. Yeah. Then exactly. you, yeah. And you have to get into those deeper levels of exposing yourself and yeah, that could be like, yeah, that could, and like, I can understand like uh, in the drama world and in the clowning world, you guys must have to be like very, um, you know, you have to make it a very safe place for people to expose themselves like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, you know, it's, but it's about, like everything, we'll only ever do what, uh, you know, what we're ready to do, you know? Mm. It's like, you know, us humans, like years ago, I trained as a hypnotherapist, right? Um, So that's right, I'm a clown that can hypnotize people, but us! (laughs) How to scare a bunch of people really easily. Um, But, you know, within, within hypnotherapy, there's a reason why, Hypnotherapy will only work if you truly, truly want to change your pattern of behavior or your thought process, right? Because your unconscious mind will always protect you. So you will only ever do anything when you are ready to truly do stuff. 
And so that's the same as like if you're exploring anything new, whether that's creativity, whether that's performing, whether it's going to get a new job. Us human beings, we won't do anything unless we're fully 100% there. So that's why when quite a few people say, oh, hypnotherapy didn't work for me, I'm like, hmm, is it because you uh, actually didn't want to quit smoking? I didn't do that very often as my job. And they'd be like, yeah, no, I don't really want to quit. It's that type of thing, right? Oh, okay. So like, let's say if I uh, was really trying to quit or like how, so what kind of hypnotherapy were you doing then? Like, were you, like, I, cause if it wasn't quitting smoking, like, well, what, what kind of changes were you trying to make with people? Well, I, I did it because I find language fascinating. So years ago when I trained as a coach, so I, I coach business people and have done for years. Um, I, I was really curious about what hypnotherapy could potentially bring to me. I never wanted to be a practicing hypnotherapist, but what it taught me was understanding and helping me understand language patterns and how people say things then help me find the right question to get them to change without having to put them into trance or anything like that oh that is that is very fascinating so like uh, just by like listening to people you can really see what they're like so you're the patterns of their language like you're saying it reveals like a lot yeah because you can hear if you really hear And so there's always been a thread through all my work, right? Because clowning is about really hearing. It's about being really present and seeing what's going on, right? With hypnotherapy and understanding that we tell ourselves stories. We tell ourselves, oh, I've never been very good at football, for example, soccer. I've never been very good at soccer, says an adult. And they say that about three or four times in a conversation. That in that three or four times, they are doing what's called an embedded command, right? So they're keeping telling themselves they're not very good at soccer. Mm-hmm. And so if I kind of pick that up, it's like, when, when did you learn that you aren't very good at soccer? Huh? And suddenly they're like, oh, it's because I wasn't very good at school. Okay. And then you can unpick it. And then they're like, oh, so maybe I could give it a go. That is a kind of very simple example. Okay. And uh, so, Cause like just how you said that I'm actually kind of thinking of myself, like I've actually mm-hmm. catch myself doing that a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, I've like, I actually did it this weekend where when I was doing my shows um, out at this club, I remember like the one comedian was just really good at cause uh, crowd work, like just like going okay. up and talking with people. And I remember I, I said to him like probably three or four times this week, like, Oh, I'm just not good at crowd work. <laughs> so like, you know, like, um, what uh when you catch yourself uh and you see like oh i'm making this kind of like embedded thing inside of me Mm. um what are ways to kind of like let go of that well it's it's firstly the fact you've noticed it already means that it's going to change right and quite often people won't even know that they say these things so it's kind of one of those things that you quite often need to ask your friends and your family like what do i say about myself that's not very positive because it's quite often you just let it out without realizing that you're saying it and then if you ended up saying to your, yourself, of like, crowd work is something that I'm working on because it's not my natural skill set. Can you hear the, how that's really different? Yeah. It's not, you're not, not saying that, you, that it's something that you want to get better at, but rather than going, I'm just not very good at that, telling yourself I'm not very good at it, you can kind of go, it's something I'm going to work on. So I'm just going to work on my crowd set. And then with that person who was really good at it, spending a bit of time going, Talk me through what actually is your process. How do you do it? So you get somebody to break something down because what he finds or she finds really easy 
they might never have gone, oh, I do this. And then in my head, I've got this. And then I do that. And then you can see that everything is a skill, right? You can pull from everybody. But sometimes people do stuff on so autopilot that they don't even realize it's a skill. Because what one thing that you find really easy, somebody else. So like, for example, you're clearly good at asking good questions on a podcast. That guy or girl might not be so good. So it's about pulling out skills, right? I love that. No, and that's, uh, that's really good because uh, it is funny. Like, I guess from hypnotherapy, you must like understand this a lot, but like, it is kind of funny when I, when you tell that stuff to yourself all the time, mm. like yeah, your unconscious mind, because doesn't your unconscious mind actually like want to prevent you then? Like if you're telling yourself, I'm not good at crowd work, I'm not good at soccer, I'm not good at whatever, like, mm. isn't your unconscious mind going to like kind of give you a fear response when you're like, uh, when you're going to be exactly. around those things, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's fun on a very baseline level. Uh, you know, that's in essence how phobias get built. I don't like snakes. Something happens with a snake and it's not very nice. And then you say, I really don't like snakes. And then you see it and then it builds and then it builds. And then that's how a phobia gets created. Like when you're a kid, you're not scared of snakes. So at some point as an adult or a young kid, you make the decision, this is what I don't like. And then that then gets then built on and built on and built on and can be something either really positive or something really negative, which then has to be challenged, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's the piece about language. It's, And this is why I think the morning pages are so great because we don't very often spend enough time paying attention to how we talk to ourselves and also how we show up at things, right? Mm -hmm. So it's how it's slowing everything down doesn't mean you don't have lots of energy. It doesn't mean you're not funny. It doesn't mean you're not loving life. But if you slow stuff down and go, how am I talking about myself? Or how am I talking to myself? Or what do I tell myself that's true? And what do I tell myself that perhaps was true that no longer is or that no longer serves me? You know, that's where magic can happen. Mm-hmm. And so do you believe that you can kind of implant ideas or like maybe affirmations into your un- unconscious? Of yeah, of course. Yeah. And of course. is this something you use? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not, do I use, I think, I think I quite often use little phrases about, you know, like anything's possible. I think I've got a few sort of little ones that I do say quite a lot, you know, and it's that thing of, it's, it's about allowing. And like, for me, it's been like, you know, yeah, I've got this, you know, and things like that. And if I catch myself going, that's a bit scary. I don't really know what I'm doing now. (laughs) Then I have to kind of go, okay, why is this scary to me? And where does the scariness feel? Where am I feeling it in my body? Okay, it's in my stomach. Okay, let's just breathe. Okay, am I actually scared of what am I scared of? So when I notice that I'm scared, which I do, because of course I get scared, you know, I get nervous. I'm, you know, I'm human. It's then just, again, slowing stuff down and then go, right, okay. Right. Have I got, is this actually true? Am I still scared of this? Or is there a different way that I could think about it? And as soon as you kind of break it down, and I saw this lovely, lovely image um, last week, and it was like, what's really stressing you out right now? It's like asking the question, will it really matter in three months time? Will it really matter in three weeks time? Will it really matter in three days time? Finally, will it really matter in three hours time? And as soon as you see it, and it was like big, big sort of bubbles on it, like, so it was like bubbles. As soon as you sort of see anything that you're worried about or stressed about, suddenly there's a distance and then you feel different. And if you feel different, then you can change how you show up. And if you change how you show up, you're far more likely to get the outcome you want. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, that is so good. And uh, 
I like how you said also when you have that fear response, like look in your body and try to see because mm. like every uh, like, yeah, uh, especially when you get into like kind of meditation and these kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you'll notice like all your fears, all those responses, anxieties, they have a feeling in the body too. And it's mm-hmm. so helpful to, like you said, slow down and put that attention on like, hey, where in the body is this? Like kind mm-hmm. of see where that fear goes in your body and like um, it's the best way to dissipate it and tend to deal with it and really like ask yourself uh, questions about it. It's so cool. No, I love that. Um, all right, Emma, this was uh, this is so much fun. I got one more question for you. It's a question of the podcast. So uh, go on, <laughs> Emma Stroud. God, yay or nay? I think I have to say yay. Yeah. All right. I yeah. like how you uh, you you thought about that too. What was uh, the hesitation? Well, I have to say, well because I I don't you know I don't you know it's one of those really interesting things for me. Um, it's like the word is the word that I have a problem with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. Whereas if if you if this was called not don't call it this because this would sound terrible, but like you know higher power uh, or higher thing, yay or nay, it's not got the same ring. Don't do that. <laughs> then I would definitely would have been like yay. But I think for me it's this whole idea of you know God as a as a construct as in that word. I slightly struggle with because it has connotations to religion for me mm-hmm. um, and that sort of side. Um, but if you are saying, yeah, higher power, I'd be like, yeah, but I can't not say yay because of that links to higher power. And I believe that we're all here for good and wonderment and things like that. So yay. I'm going to end it with a yay. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. Uh, Emma, this was so much fun. Thank you for coming on. Uh, so tell uh, my people about your book, where they can get it and your podcast as well, if you don't mind. Oh, thank you. Um, it's been lovely. It's lovely chatting. Uh, my book is called Lessons from a Clown and it is available on Amazon and for the next couple of months it'll be available on all good bookshops but right now it's just on Amazon so Lessons from a Clown or if you don't like Amazon which I know lots of people do if you go on my website emmastroud.london that's emmastroud.london uh, and you send me an email I will send you a copy so if you don't have an Amazon account there is that way already um, and then my podcast is called Clowning Around it is the podcast to make people laugh and think and it's me and one of my other clowns Barbara uh, we interview different people everything from clowning around therapy to clowning around rugby to clowning around entrepreneurship uh you know business consciousness you name it I've probably clowned around it so there'll probably be an episode there's nearly 100 episodes so I'm sure there'll be an episode for everyone listening um but yeah Sweet. so thanks for having me that's me all right thanks Sam. all right that was another episode thanks for listening everybody please like and subscribe to the podcast give it a good rating that always helps and share it with like-minded people. I really do appreciate that. You can check me out at NoorKidY on Instagram or check out my website, NoorKidY.com. You can see my comedy. You can see my comedy dates that are coming up and all that other information. We're part of the comedy here often, Podcast Network on 604 Records. But I'll see you next time on another episode of God Yay or Nay.